habits we've been looking at over summer camp, various trellises for our lives. And there's a, there's a picture that I've got. I don't know if we can put that first slide up of a trellis. Now, that's a beautiful looking trellis, isn't it? <laughs> trellis is like something you build. The trellis is unimportant. The fruit is the important thing, right? And so we've been talking about building something that you can grow fruit on. So ideas like resting, Sabbath, prayer, all these various ideas. If you haven't uh, heard them all, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. They are available on the website. But that's a beautiful trellis. Doesn't look good. I think expecting a lot of fruit. The next picture I have, at Regan's not here. That's Regan's trellis. You can see it's a plant that grew 90 degrees into the ground. If you look carefully, you can see there's one little loop of, uh, I think, a wire or something he's tried to put there. But please pray. Please pray for Regan. <laughs> He's, he's not here, he's in the go. But isn't it, isn't it, sorry, he's not here, he can't defend himself. He's looking after the kids, yeah, he's putting a trellis up for the kids, I hope that, pray for your kids. But the important thing is that, you know, there's not going to be much fruit growing there, right? Probably some of it will grow in the ground. Okay, let's, let's move up the next slide, because people are, poor Regan. Okay, there you go, thanks. And so what we're trying to do is sort of uh, do things that are helpful, put stakes in the ground that are helpful to us. And uh, again, these are not one-moment one wonders. I was talking to someone before the service, and it's not like we listen to something on Sabbathing and next week we're killing it for the rest of our lives. It just takes time. There are things that we want to commit to, keep giving attention to. Well, you didn't get it right week one. Don't worry. Just next week, try again. We don't, we're not going to do away with prayer. We're not going to do away with God's Word. We're not going to do away with these things. They're just things that are part of our lives. And so keep working on your trellis. Keep putting up a good trellis, and we'll go, and we'll go on. So the four we've done, I just want to give a quick uh, summary. The first one was rest, where we pause, we come back to God, we take time to trust God, we stop, we sort of take off all the things that are on us, and we come back to God. And that's kind of one of the main ideas behind Sabbath. Then we spoke about prayer, which is our dialogue with God, our divine dialogue. So not only do we pause and come back to trusting in God, but then we enter into a conversation with God, which is a constant thing. Mark spoke last week so powerfully on fasting, which is where we have an opportunity to realize our emptiness, realize our brokenness, and go, wow, we are, we are empty. Fasting draws us into that place of remembering, wow, God is what I need. So pausing to trust in God, starting a conversation with God, realizing how empty we are. And then this week we're doing the Word, which is what fills us. It is the bread of life, Jesus says. And so not only do we realize how empty we are, but we actually have an incredible uh, resource, the best food in the world, the best thing to fill us ever is, is God's Word. It fills our emptiness. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will not be hungry. That is amazing. It really is all that satisfies. Nothing else can satisfy other than Jesus and His Word, who Jesus Himself is known as the Word of God. So we're going to talk about the Word of God this morning, a couple of sections, and again, we'll get you to do some of the work um, this morning. You'll get to do an exercise together in your groups. I'm going to start off with just a quick excitement about how good God's Word, how amazing God's Word is, some interesting facts and uh, some of the things that we know about God's Word, and I'll just give you some list, and you can ponder how amazing this actually is. God's Word is a compilation of 66 books. Think about that. I have trouble writing an email with someone else. You know, two, two of us trying to write one email, that's a very difficult process. 66 different books, 40 authors, 
it spans more than 1,500 years. Imagine trying to write an email with someone from 400 years ago. Now you've got another problem. It's written by all sorts of people, kings, shepherds, farmers, poets, prime ministers, fishermen, doctors. They were probably the hardest to work with, the fishermen. Doctors, soldiers on three different continents and three different languages in vastly different contexts, people in prison, people in the desert, people in the prison, uh, people in the palace, sorry. I said that twice. Paul was in prison twice at least. There's great, so many different styles, storytelling, laws, history, book, history, um, instruction. It's simply, there's no other book like this on the face of the earth in composition. It's really just a miracle that it all comes together in this way. It's composition and continuity simply defies human ability. It must have had a divine author. And we can go deeper into that, but I'm just whetting your appetite. Its teaching is also incredibly different to most other religious books. Its teaching is completely unflattering. <laughs> it's that we are completely broken and cannot rescue ourselves. Man needs God. He needs redemption. Now, if I was writing a religious book, I probably wouldn't have gone with that vibe, you know? Guys, most of the religious books are, you know, you're okay, just do a little bit of meditation and your goodness will rise to the top and, it, and then you'll be a happy person. The Bible's message is completely different. You are broken and you need God. And so for a message like that, composed in such a way to actually succeed, is, just must be a miracle. God's Word is incredible. It must, must be a miracle. Um, despite this unflattering message, there's no other book that competes with it. In terms of publication, printing, translation, everything. It's just the most read book on earth, which is amazing. Now, that's all well and good. You can take all of that information and just drop it in your mental trash bin for a moment because it actually doesn't mean anything unless something happens in your heart about it. Jesus himself simply claimed that he was God. So you can know about Jesus, but Jesus said, I am God. Now, that changes everything about what do I think of Jesus? Do I believe he is God? Is he who he said he is? Calls for a response. The word of God is similar. It simply claims that it is God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God. So it kind of puts us in this point where, great, I have all the information, but what do I believe about God's word? Do I believe it is God speaking? Is it authoritative? Is God's word the authority on all things of life for me? So I want to ask you that question this morning. It is an incredibly unique book, but the information is not enough. Do you believe that God's word is the highest authority in all of life? And how committed are you to placing it above all things? I think, um, Lizzie, you might remember this saying, if God said it, then that settles it for me. I remember it was a big phrase in the 70s, I think, in God's church. If God said it, then that settles it for me. Do you live like that and believe it? Do you really believe God's word is the highest authority? And then I want to ask you, do you even yield to it? So it's not only good to know that it is God's word, but do we even yield to it? I think of the, the meme, you know, the gym memes, where there's a guy, big guy, like Dixon, huge buff guy and he's and underneath normally the question is do you even lift you know like some huge guy looking at other guys in the gym do you even lift i think we should make a bible meme called do you even yield <laughs> can someone please do that and just email it to me do you even yield 
Do you accept it as God's word? You may, you may love all the information about it. You might even accept it as authority, but do you even yield to God's word? Do you even yield? There's a big difference between knowing God's word and yielding to it. Yeah, I think um, the really great news is that uh, we don't need to do that by ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit and he is the incredible helper who, when we cry out to him, ask him to help our hearts to yield. He does that. Um, and he's actually, the Holy Spirit, also the one that makes these words on a page in the Bible come alive. They're actually the living word of God. Um, John 1, 14, we've got a slide for that. Uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So when I hear that, Jesus is the physical representation of the word of God. It's amazing to me. Um, and actually, that's one of his names, the Word of God. Um, spending time in the Word of God with the Holy Spirit is spending time in God's presence. So when I picture it like that, it makes me want to come into this relationship with God. So when I'm opening the Bible, I can picture myself sitting with my Jesus <laughs> and, getting, and getting to know him more. And I, I love that picture of, of the Bible being a space of relationship. Um, it's learning, um, but it's relationship by the Holy Spirit making those words alive in my heart. Um, the Bible is the way we know God. I think that's the most important The most important aspect of it is that we get to know him. I think often I've grown up, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I often think of it like a slot machine. Like if I open it up when I need help or when I need direction or when I need a promise to hold on to or something to claim. Um, but really the most precious thing about it is, the way, is, it, is that it's the way that we can know God. It's his own autobiography. I think we spend a lot of time reading a lot of autobiographies about a lot of amazing people, but this is the one that God wrote about himself. And that makes it really, really, really important. Um, and then because the words are alive, they also start to change us. Um, they're not historical writings uh, alone. They actually come alive in my day-to-day -day life and they speak to me. Hebrews 4 uh, says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It shapes my heart and it lights my path and it literally transforms my mind. It transforms my preferences and my hopes, um, my desires and my confidence, and they all begin to come into submission to God. Um, so it's, it's just incredible to think that in Scripture we can know God we can know who we are, we can know why we exist, and we can be transformed into God's likeness. There's nothing else like it in all the world. It's awesome. Scripture is transformative. It's the living and active 
Word of God, I hope you're getting hungry. It feels it's so good, isn't it? I think sometimes the scriptures we can think of like, oh yeah, there's something boring I've got to do. This is an opportunity to interact with God, to meet with Jesus, the living word. So I want to talk a little bit about habit formation, building a trellis. I wish Regan was here. Building a trellis. How do we do that? What do we do? And But alongside that habit, I want to talk about joy as well. I think habit and joy ought to go together. You know, some things which you get into the habit of doing start to bring you joy. I know runners who run, they, at a certain point, they get to this craving situation where they want to go. I've never... I've never arrived there, but it's, it's like this habit of running eventually produces joy. It's like, yeah, I just want to do this. Anyone experienced that? A few, Jono, a few people out there, Miriam. But habits form joy, you know, and so sometimes it can be the first part of the habit is difficult, and Ant's nodding in agreement, he understands. And Colossians, I want to just read Colossians 3 and then talk about habit and joy. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's two things that are going on there. It's the Word of God, of course, but it's dwelling, which is like, you know, setting up a tent, a permanent arrangement. When you dwell somewhere, you live there. And if you're in your dwelling, in your house, that's where you live. You go there every day. You don't sort of, you know, go sleep at your neighbor's house the next night and then across the road. It's, it's, it would be odd, right? It's your dwelling. And so do we dwell on the Word of God? And that kind of speaks to our habit formation dwelling, and then secondly, richly. Something that's rich, it's amazing, right? It's like, I really enjoy this. I'm rich. I'm full of this. I'm, uh, I've experienced all the depths of it, all the facets of it. And so it becomes not just a skinny thing, but something that is deep, something that's not, sh- not shallow, but deep, rich. There's a richness and a real joy in there. And so forming habits well, the first comment we'd say is that, of course, it's similar to what we spoke about in the others in prayer and about prayer and other forming other habits is that you need to, you know, set yourself aside from distractions and those kind of things. Those are all helpful tools. And so I encourage you to go back and just kind of implement the same ideas, you know, free yourself from distraction, find a, find a quiet place, all those kind of practical ideas which help you form a habit. But a few things I'd note uh, when Jesus said, prayed, he said, Father, give us today our daily bread, and he is the bread of life. I would say scripture would be a great daily habit to, to partake in, and so I would say if you're forming a trellis, make that a daily, something that's daily. Jesus, the bread of life, who will feed us. Another little uh, one-liner, which is great, was scripture before screen, and Anna, Anna and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that's that's been uh, getting to us as well. Like when you wake up and it's like scripture before screen, ding, 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 ding. It's like so a second alarm that's going off. And so that's really helped us to just go to the scriptures before we turn on any screens. That's actually been one. super helpful because mm. um, I don't know about you. I'm just going to be honest. Um, go for I, it. I have more of a hankering to, t- to look at my screen than I do to open my Bible. It's just the, where I'm at right now. Like I, I'm much more accustomed to it. It's feeds me it's like eating a pop tart for breakfast you know it's like that sweet sugar hit that kind of like is fast and easy um so this phrase has been helpful for me because my longing to get to my phone at the moment is stronger than my longing to get to the word but i have to get through the word to get to my phone so if that's where you're at like just own that it's cool like because actually god's word's going to transform your appetite anyway so if at the moment it means you do it to get to your phone, 
start there and trust that the Holy Spirit will shift the appetite so that you don't even care about the phone after the scripture. But That's great. I don't know, just be where you're at. Scripture before screen, no Pop-Tarts for breakfast, please. Rather, we want sourdough for breakfast. I think there's a picture. Yeah, there you go. Great. You can form that. You know, when you prepare sourdough as an, as an urban farmer. Uh, Josh, did, that is Josh's sourdough. You, you, you got to prepare. You got to make some time for it. Right? You got to get it ready. You got to think about, oh, I'm going to, in the morning, I'm going to take 10 minutes to knead it and prep the next one for the next day. There's kind of a process going, going for, but when you come to eat it, it's so good. I don't know if you've ever done that, eating fresh bread out of the oven. And you kind of, Put a lot of butter, lurpak, right? A lot of lurpak on the butter. And then honey, you just pour the honey all over it, and then you chase the children away, and you... Hang on, sorry, that came out wrong. But there's something super delicious about it, and when you've ever eaten bread like that, you actually feel full, you know? It's just different to a Pop-Tart. You feel really good. The Word of God, Jesus, it is food, right? And that's how Jesus describes it. Who has ever enjoyed food? Anyone, anyone got the vibe of enjoying food, right? This is what the Bible describes the Scriptures as. Is that even true? Well, it, it is. And if you've never experienced that, oh, wow, this is so delicious, then you actually haven't fully, there's more to experience in the Scriptures. If it's only been a dry Pop-Tart to you, there's something of like a giant roast waiting. And it comes with a bit of prep, you know, a bit of hard work, a bit of setting up some trellis, getting something. I just want to encourage you, God's Word is actually warm bread with lurpak and honey. It's so, so delicious. But you just got to put in the trellis. And so I want to encourage you, go, go for it. And that's where the joy finally comes in. You know, when you sit down to a good meal, it's like all the work was a bit, you know, chopping things. You cut your finger, whatever. It's, you shattered the chili. Get out of the kitchen. But when you finally sit down to that meal, it's really, really, wow, this is something else. And I can honestly say for myself, the scriptures have become more and more like that. It's like, um, I just want to go there. Like, and I'll wake up in the mornings and I'll go, so this morning it happened, Anna's trying to talk to me and I'm like giving two-syllable answers because I'm reading the scriptures. After, after a little while, she realizes, oh, don't talk to Josh now because he's, he's eating something. <laughs> wait, till, wait till afterwards. But the point is, you actually, it becomes a beautiful honey-baked warm sourdough bread. And if you haven't experienced that, I encourage you to set up some trailers, keep going, and read it, read it, read it. People are laughing at me, but that's okay. Joy, finding joy. Uh, I, want to drop a, I want to drop a bomb here. Reading plans are not always helpful. Oh, heresy, heresy. <laughs> yeah, no, I've done lots of reading plans. I would say the, the greatest, you know, if you start, if you, at the end of this preacher like, oh, I'm going to go read the whole Bible in a year, and you get it, then two weeks later, it's like you've kind of fallen away, and you're a little bit sad about it. Don't, don't take that approach. Just go to God's Word, and in a sense that I'm just going to keep coming daily. I'm going to learn to, to bake a sourdough properly, and then I'm going to learn to eat it. And I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to do it for my whole life. And uh, it's what I found. I did reading plans, and sometimes and I'll, you push through them, you struggle. There's, there's not, nothing bad in them. But what I found most helpful is I started just reading and I'll just choose, I'll give you some tips, you can use them if you like, but just choose a small book, uh, Philippians, and read it at your own pace. Sit down, read it, read, read one verse, read five verses. Um, if you miss a few days, come back and read the next three verses, or read the whole chapter, or read the whole book, uh, it doesn't matter. Just start somewhere, read, enjoy it, uh, spend that connection with God, pray, read, find God. And come back. And then what you'll start to find happening is 
I found they just started to grow. I kept drawing back, kept wanting to come back to it. Then I'm reading a whole chapter. Sometimes I'm reading two or three chapters. Sometimes I, again, just read one verse because it's, it's just so good. It's just like, I just want, this is honey. Let's stay here. Um, sometimes the plans, plans are good, but don't force your relationship with God into that plan or let it, let it it's the trellis, right? Don't let the trellis stro- uh, str- uh, strangle out the life of God. Let the main thing be your great meal with God. And so I want to just encourage you, find the joy in reading the scriptures and just keep coming back to it. If you enjoy food, uh, you know what the feeling I'm talking about. If you haven't experienced that with the scriptures, it's there. It's a great meal. Jesus said, whoever eats of this food will never go hungry again. Yeah, I think one really helpful thing with that as well is because sometimes in my life I've been super consistent and other times I haven't. But And I know everyone's totally, I know I'm a generation that's more paper-based than phone-based. But I think get yourself a journal and like get an actual physical journal and a real pen. And, And then, and then... Write in your journal the date the, and, and then write down what you read. And you know what? It's so encouraging because sometimes I've opened that journal and, okay, don't judge. There has been like three months between one reading and another. Now, I am a mum of four and there are seasons. It's not great, but I'm just telling you that is what it is. But do you know what's really cool? What's really super cool is that it was the same journal. It's the same journey with Jesus. I just picked up where I left off. I'm just like, okay, that's the next date. It's three months later than the the other date on the next page, but that's fine. I wrote the date down, wrote down where I was up to, and we kicked off again. And there's something really encouraging about that. And and I think it's worth, because you physically get to see, it's like the same book, it's the same God, it's the same relationship, same journey, and I get to come back and we get to start again. And so that's really cool. Um, Anyway, uh, Ben Smart came to visit us about a year ago. He actually talked about um, scripture and he said, this a little, I quoted him because I thought it was very good. Um, he said, Josh and Mark also preach very well and I, I also like to quote them. <laughs> um, he said, reading is the exposure of our minds and hearts to scripture. Meditating is the absorption of it. Go for depth when reading the Bible. And I really love that thinking. So how do we go for depth? How do we slow scripture down in our lives? Um, as, a, as a mom, Deuteronomy 6 is really a, an awesome challenge to me. Uh, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, the Jews are so beautiful and such a precious people. They took this pretty literally. They actually write out the law of God really teeny tiny and like roll it up and hammer it into their door frames and sometimes even like carry it on their foreheads. And I love their faithfulness to to be faithful to the word but what God is trying to say I think um, is that that needs to be what's in our hearts um, not so much tied on our actual forehead so I just want to talk about some ways that you can do these things so 
when you sit, look, I'm just going to take it literally and share with you what works. When you sit, writing out the scriptures is, everyone's made different, right? We're all made to enjoy different things, that concept of joy in it. Um, so some of you like really get excited about office works. I know Libby loves office works. We've been there before. Um, you get pumped about really nice paper and really nice pens. That's a thing. So that's cool. Um, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, get a super beautiful pen and some really lovely paper and write out the scripture. It slows it down enough for you and you'll find joy in it because the pen looks really cool on the page and it feels nice as it scrapes along. So write, like, so write it down. Some people really love drawing and colour. And so that's me. I'm one of those people. So this is one of my, um, one of my pages in my uh, journal. Um, I've got a small one for writing and then I've got a big one for drawing. So with this, I usually read the psalm or a scripture and I start to think about the, the colours that that makes me feel. Okay, just ignore this if you're a really analytical, logical the colours it makes me feel and the shapes it makes me think of and the spaces between the words. And so that, for me, helps me slow it down and process what God's meaning in that. Actually, this psalm, I, I just came to God in my normal time. He just put a word in my heart. It drew me to a psalm. And I'd actually been struggling at this time with a bit of anxiety, like quite a bit of consistent anxiety. This psalm broke that in me. Like I just sat there and I wrote it out and I drew it out. And something of that slowing it down in my heart broke that anxiety in me. And he freed me of that, just drawing his words. So that's a helpful thing for some people. When you walk, some of you just like really being physical. And so use that stuff. So as we walk to school with the kids, we'll be walking along and I'll be like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then they have to do, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it's like, my poor kids. No, <laughs> they'll, they'll thank me one day. <laughs> um, use rhythm, use movement. If you're a physical person, think about the actions. So there's another thing, scripture we've been teaching them. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. This was our holiday scripture because it was not happening. <laughs> and so we, we, thought, we thought of scripture, of actions that would help them remember the words. Esther, you'd enjoy the physicalness of it, I am sure. Okay, so that's another one. Um, in songs, songs is rhythm as well. It gets it in your head. Colin Buchanan's amazing. He just, he just sings the scripture and it just gets in there because you just listen to it. It gets in in a different way. Okay, anyway, Ruby. I know, Colin, I love him. Okay, <laughs> when you lie down. So some of you um, might enjoy this process. You can choose a simple scripture and then, um, so it might be, uh, be still and know that I am God. And as you, you find a comfortable, quiet space and you might want to lie down or sit down with your eyes closed. And as you breathe in, be still and know, breathe out that I am God. And you just, you spend time doing that and, and just let, let yourself breathe the scripture in and breathe it out. It's just a different way of slowing it down and getting it into your heart.
Um, now, when you get up, that we're going to talk about some simple devotion methods in a moment, but that's obviously when you're screen before, uh, scripture before screen. Um, when you get up, find a way to do your devotion. And then on the door frames of your houses. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the door frame of our house that we probably look at the most would be on the following slide. Um, this is our toilet door wall. And we spend a lot of time in there. And so we like to put it up on the door frame of that particular room. Um, so find ways or, or on your fridge, perhaps. That might also be a common place. Um, find places that you're going to look at often and put scriptures up there that are important or meaningful or timely. Yes. Thanks, Lord. That's great. Oh, did you want to say something? Luke, you're up. Oh, great. Luke's just going to hand out an exercise for, for everyone. Uh, try to take one each, or if you can share, that'll be good. So we, we hope you're just kind of getting hungry, right? Getting inspired, getting like, wow, this is actually a delightful meal. And there's sort of different ways to prepare and eat. But the idea is that we want God's Word, one, to accept it as the authority over us, that it is God's Word, but two, to yield to it. Do we even yield and so we're going to do a quick practical exercise, and this one's an individual one because this is something that we just want to give you a chance to experience. Now, for some of you, this might be old hat. You might have done this a million times. For others, you may never have done something like this. I've given you a sheet there. We just say our goal in developing a habit is, encouraging, is engaging with the Scriptures. We want to engage with the Scriptures, not simply to expose our minds, but to absorb it into our hearts and then to yield to its authority in our lives. God has made us all differently. Certain methods will naturally appeal to, to us and differently to others. Also, different seasons of life will call for different engagements with the Scriptures. With each method, uh, which each of the methods described below, it is important to ensure that there's an element of prayer and yielding included, not just reading, but prayer and yielding. So we've given you about 10 methods here. What we want you to do is on the back of the paper is Psalm 119. You can read the first line, you can read the first five verses, you can read the whole thing. Choose one of these methods, and I'll give them to you briefly in a moment, Anna's already given to you, and we're going to spend five minutes just with the Scripture, read it, and engage with it in this way. So there's a few methods. There's the Coma method, which some of you know from the book that, that we had available in King's Cross. You read it, you ask questions like, what is the context? What do I observe? What is its meaning? What is the application for me? So just four basic questions. There's what they call the sweet, Swedish method, which is light bulb question arrow. Light bulb, what do I notice? Um, a question, is there anything surprising or hard to understand? And arrow, what is, how does this point to Jesus or what is there anything I must do with it personally? The other ways of reading the scriptures, you can look for a theme. So you could read the whole of Psalm 19, just make notes of themes. Or if you're interested in studying a theme, you can go through the whole Bible and just pull out those themes and read all the text about it. You can simply read it and read it slowly, try to absorb it. You can write it down like Anna suggested. You can draw it like Anna said. You can act it out. Uh, you can memorize it using rhythms. You can use it to breathe, be still and know. But these are just a bunch of, bunch of ways. You're not going to nail it today. We just wanted to give you a space. We, we just, if you've, especially for those who've never done anything like this, take five minutes, use the psalm on the back, choose one of these kind of ways or think about it somehow and engage for five minutes uh, with the psalm 
And so this is the summer camp portion where we get you to do a little bit of work. All right. So um, can, why don't we do that now? Take five minutes and we'll be back. Uh, just read and engage with that scripture personally for yourself. Spend some time in Psalm 119. Thank you. Thanks for trying that. Um, probably breaking all the rules, right? Because it's not a you're not distracted. You're away from other people. You're like you're in the midst of everyone, <laughs> with other things going on around you. So, but our hope was just to give you a chance, especially if you've uh, not really participated in something like that, or kind of just to break out some of those ideas and read. And absorb God's word. Go for absorbing. It's, I appreciate it's hard to do it in an environment where there's people all around you. Our hope this morning is that you've become hungry for God's word and that we've given you this kind of picture of what's available there, and that you desire to start eating, eating on that meal, you know, feeding on that delicious, delicious meal. Uh, reading God's word, I think. The two big ideas that we really wanted is that, one, do you believe in its authority? That's a big question you want to pose. And some of you have answered that a long time ago. But if you've never answered that question, I want to ask you, do you really believe God's Word is the authority on all things, that it is the source of life, that uh, if I follow God's Word, it is literally the best thing that could ever, I could ever do. If I eat on this bread, I will never hunger again. Do you truly believe that? That affects the way we approach God's Word, if we, whether we believe that or not. Number two, it's not just whether we believe that. The second big question we're asking is, do you yield? Do you absorb? Do you even yield to it? So one, it's not, not just about reading it, but it's about going, actually, yes, I believe it. And I want to think Anna gave a testimony of how that Psalm 91, when she absorbed it, changed her anxiety. She believed it and it changed her. Um, do you absorb God's Word? And so something happens profoundly in us when we begin to live upon God's Word. It is the source of life. It also, not only is it affecting us, but actually God's Word is a way in which we serve others. And how does Scripture help us to put others first as well? It, one, it puts God first, but in, in other ways it puts others before us. Even reading Scripture together is a powerful thing. We've spoken mostly about your own devotional trellis this morning, putting something up for yourself. But reading Scripture together with someone is, almost, is a very powerful thing to do. I know when we get together, most often there's lots of conversations and, and great, fun relationship. But actually having a time where you read with someone is very powerful because it begins to shape both of you. Something changes in your heart. It's like a, actually very valuable. Um, and I want to encourage you to do that because it spurs us on and, and actually will help us change, help our discipleship when we're kind of holding each other, like when we're reading together, it's changing us. Um, Colossians 3.16 actually goes on literally to say it's the next part of the verse. You know, when we said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, something that we dwell upon, and it becomes a rich joy to us. It says, therefore, and then it says, admonishing one another with all wisdom. It's like it immediately goes from something that's in you to something that uh, begins to shape those around you. And uh, we admonish one of those, it goes on to say, and we sing, the next part of the verse is singing to each other in hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, in other words, there's a context of community around the Word of God as well. And that uh, if we hold it in the highest regard, 
And it's, that's what we hold as the highest uh, calling and highest authority. So it's not like I'm telling you what to do because Josh likes this and I don't like it when you do that. It's got nothing to do with what I like or Anna likes, but we're saying, no, the Word of God is the highest thing. Do we even yield to it? Do you yield to forgiveness? Uh, someone's refusing to forgive. We hold the Word of God in the highest place. Say, God calls us to forgive completely like He forgave us completely. That's holding the Word of God higher than things. Are you patient and kind? Well, when we, when we interact with each other, we can begin to see, ah, oh, I can see Josh when Anna sees me not being kind. Josh, I can see you not being kind. I can see you being impatient. These are things, do we hold the God's Word higher than other things and do we begin to yield to it? And then can we begin to hold that as a community, as the highest calling? When, when something is out of whack with God's Word, we want to shape, we want to yield back to it. It's the most delicious meal, actually, because it does us good. It's the feast that makes us never hungry again. It's the feast that satisfies us. I know if you pursue, if you keep eating that impatience, you keep feeding upon unkindness, it's going to wreck you. I want to give you some way better meal. That Pop-Tart ain't good for breakfast every day. I want to give you a proper meal. And that's all, we, that's all we're doing. It's actually a beautiful picture. It's not a case of who can, let's see who can rebuke someone else the most. No, no. Let's, who can prepare the best meal for someone else? Who can serve up God's Word in the most beautiful way? And that's what we hope and desire to do so that it puts others before us. And that, it's embarrassing, right, to have to say, well, let's use Anna saying it to me. It's embarrassing for Anna to say to Josh, Josh, that was very rude. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, it's hard for her to do that. Um, but but she puts, she, huh? But you'd kind of, a, a, a kind way of doing it, I yes. guess, would be like, babe, look at Jesus. He's so kind and, yes. and patient. And, and this is how we can be yes. too. Praise God. It's true. I will, I will say one thing like this. The, that is very true. And sometimes the rawness of it is actually really good. You know, some people go, I'll obey God's word when I get my feelings right. And there's kind of this, there is a theology around which can push us too far to that way. It's like, well, you only do things when you're inspired to do them. Well, if you do that, you, you're going to head into a lot of trouble very quickly. Sometimes good just to obey God's word and then it moves you, or always, because it moves you, it starts to change you. You know, you can take things like rejoice always and go, well, that's impossible. And I'm going to wait till I feel like rejoicing. No, but if you begin to try and put on some music and try and rejoice, it begins to, your heart's not there, but it shifts there. Whereas if you just, you, if you decide I'm not going to murder, well, that's great because it's good for you and it helps. <laughs> if you decide I'm not going to be angry, well, it's not, it can't, sometimes all you have is a decision, not a feeling, right? And the feeling yeah. comes later. And obeying God's word is always good because it's always a good meal. It's like, I'm not going to eat the Pop-Tart. I am going to have a proper breakfast. That's actually good. And sometimes it's healthy just to put that trellis in. I go, yep, I'm really struggling to do this, but I actually want to move myself into that position. And God's word becomes more and more delightful. The scripture also gives us our vocabulary for speaking to each other prophetically and in songs. When, when that next line says, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly sing and encourage other with songs and spiritual songs. If you want to sing or prophesy over someone, make sure the word of God is dwelling in you richly. If you want to correct someone or say something to someone, make sure the word of God is dwelling in you richly. Otherwise, you have very little to say. It is the 
best and most great meal. Um, sometimes God will drop a word into our hearts, a scripture for someone else, and, and that happens when we're slowly feeding it, studying the scriptures, filling ourselves with God's word, eating upon it. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Of course, it is Jesus who said, as he left the earth, his last commission to the disciples was, go and make disciples of all nations, what? Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Baptizing them. Sorry, was that what you were going to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baptizing them and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. One of the things that Jesus said was that we ought to teach disciples to obey God's word. And that's how we share it amongst ourselves. It's not just for us. Um, and of course, if you don't know God's word, how can you teach others? Um, how could you teach them to obey when you don't know how to obey or don't know what God's word says on something? And so we want to just wrap up this morning, ask these two questions, and hopefully it, uh, not just a question, but also a desire. Hopefully we've given you some desire to, yep, oh, I really want to just put that trellis and start to feed on God's word, start to uh, enjoy and partake in it. Do you believe in the authority of God's word? Do you yield to it? And in that, I want to encourage you to develop habits and joy, which is what we start with. Develop the habits, which develops joy. They actually go together. Habit and joy. For Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the living word of God. He is, Jesus himself is called the word of God. When we sit, as Anna said, with the scriptures and the Holy Spirit, it's, we are sitting in, in, we are sitting with God. We are relating to God. We are feeding on the bread of life. Jesus said, he is the bread of life. And whoever comes to him will not hunger. That sounds amazing. That sounds awesome. Let me pray and we'll close our meeting this morning.